This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Hey guys, welcome back. Trey here on The Comeback. Excited to talk about stories of inspiration and to magnify and to bring attention to the God who is still in the business of saving lives. We have had the privilege to sit down and hear countless stories. I am super excited to be here with my friend Stacy today. What's up, Stacy? What's up, Trey? Good to have you on the show this morning. Yes, honored to be here. Good. So, women in recovery. It's a it is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, um, to the co-founder Bobby Humphrey's heart, to see women have a safe place, to see them have a safe place that they can come to, that it, it, it's so that you understand the same amount of women are addicted as there are men, but only about 10% of women ever make it into treatment. But the ones who do typically respond better. There's so many hurdles. Mm-hmm. Stacy and I were talking uh, offline earlier just about children, about the interest of um, guys that are selling drugs to feed women drugs um, for their own personal desires. And again, so many hurdles for people to get here. And Stacy um, is sitting here in front of me today and she is full of confidence and she is just a remarkable woman. She is a leader in the program here at Good Landing. And I just, I've seen her in action. It's just a phenomenal thing to see. But I also know that she is in the middle of her comeback story. She's actually in the front end of her comeback story. You've got, how long clean do you have? It'll be a year and about a month and a week. Come on. Yes. But just watching you lead, watching the standard that you set, the way that you engage the women, it's incredible. But it wasn't always this way. Yeah. And you've got a story and we want to hear it. Awesome. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I am so honored to do this. Um, and I, I will have to say, I give all the glory to the Lord. He totally has transformed me into someone different. I'm not who I used to be at all. Um, growing up, I had the best mom and dad any child could ever ask for. Um, I think they're going on 47 years of marriage now. Um, I never, ever saw my parents fight, um, even get loud with one. Me and my mom are normally loud people anyways, but they never fought in front of um, me and my brothers. I have two brothers. I'm the middle child, only girl. We're all two years apart. And um, they worked hard to provide for all three of us. We um, didn't want for anything. We grew up um, in the church. My family had us always in church. I come from a long line of pastors um, on my dad's side. My mom's side is military, um, army. So we, you know, my mom and dad had standards in raising us and, I mean, literally gave us the best life possible. Um, You're making a lot of sense to me right now. So you got the pastor thing and you got the military thing. Yeah, absolutely. That is why you're so good at at leading. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, um, so my mom worked in the operating room for um, 37 years. Um, Started off as a candy striper. My dad owned his own business in landscaping. Um, worked, always worked really, really hard at what they did. And, um, 
So growing up, uh, me and my brothers were involved a lot with youth in the church. Um, we also did a lot of sports. I was a cheerleader at a very young age. I also coached cheerleading. Um, and so there was really no issues growing up um, in the home, in my environment. Um, I think when I was in middle school, I made the cheerleading team. However, I didn't make it in the ninth grade. And so I literally just, my world fell apart then. Um, I did not use drugs in high school. It wasn't until like my senior year, there was a lot of clubbing involved on the weekends. And one day during the week, um, there was a club called Ballyhoo's and um, a bunch of us would go every Wednesday night take some ecstasy, do a little bit of cocaine. I never, ever was a drinker. I've never been successful at drinking. Um, so that wasn't really my thing. I could do that, go to school the next day. And then, you know, on the weekends, it was the same thing. I could party all weekend and be ready for work or whatnot Monday morning and carry on with my life. Um, I did not go to college when I got out of high school. I decided to take a year off and um, just work. However, when I did start school, I found out I was pregnant. Um, prior to that, I had met the father of my son um, a year before having my son. And he, me and him had a, a toxic relationship um, there was a lot of drugs involved between the two of us. But once I found out I was pregnant, I, I literally put everything down. Um, I was serious about um, caring for my baby um, and providing the best health possible. At that time, I was at Georgia Southern partying um, in a bar and got really sick and ended up finding out I was pregnant the next day. So I had brought a little cocaine and weed down to Georgia Southern and flushed it as soon as I knew I was pregnant. And I was able to do that then. Um, so I had Caleb, best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, he was a perfect baby, um, did not give me any problems. I, my mom was really worried I'd get pregnant again, um, but he just is the love of my life. I never, ever knew what love was until I had him. I ended up getting married um, a couple months before I had Caleb because I, it was the right thing to do in my mind. Um, you get married, have a kid, and then you live this life afterwards. But that didn't go well for me. After I had Caleb, I moved out of my family's home um, in an apartment for a month, saw that um, I wasn't going to be provided for, Caleb wasn't going to be provided for, and I got my brothers and dad to come move me out after a month. So I went back home, took care of my kid. About a year later, I got involved in Xanaxes um, and alcohol because alcohol. So the Xanaxes kicked in the alcohol quicker and I would go to work that like that, um, just not remembering the day. I ended up catching a um, DUI with child endangerment because I had Caleb in the car at a year old. Um, How old I, were you here? I was 22, my first charge. So single mom, struggling, things not working out, and just the shame, all of this stuff starting to hit at this point. Oh, yeah. Were you just, were you just so was, frustrated or just what was... 
I think losing um, hope in what I was thought was going to be a good relationship in the end didn't wasn't, and I was struggling with staying or leaving. Um, I didn't want a divorce at first, so it took a couple years to finally get in that mindset that I needed to do that um, for my kid's sake. He was still young, and um, I knew I didn't want to let go of the last name due to him not going to school, having different last names, so I kept that. So I've always been a Pennington, even though I was a walker before. Um, so, and I did that for my kids' sake. Um, so after the DUI, the first arrest, my mom always said she'd give us a get out of jail free card. And I got out the next day and was just mortified at the charge that I received with having him in the car. Um, I clearly remember the incident that had happened that caused the cop to pull me over. Um, and it was just humiliating, um, knowing that I had a newborn in a car with me and would do that. About a couple months after that, um, I didn't let the Xanaxes go. Um, I went to go pick up some pizza from a pizza place. My mom was working late. Again, had Caleb in the car. He was sleeping, didn't want to get him out sleeping. Thought I was just going to run in there, grab the pizzas and leave. And I ended up leaving him in the car with a sunroof open and sitting at a bar and was drinking. Um, someone had heard a baby out in the car crying. And this was, you know, not long after the DUI. Thankfully, I didn't get charged with any of that. The police didn't even get there in time before I was able to leave. I had a friend come up to the restaurant to get me, take me and Caleb home. I did get a um, letter on the door from DFAX at that time stating to come up there and, and let them know of the situation that happened. Um, but thankfully, I got out of that. And that's at that point, I knew that I had just needed help. Went to re That was one of my first time in rehabs. Um, I didn't stay long. I know I completed the program. I went from inpatient, outpatient to a sober living and um, did very well for a little while after that. I was able to stay out of jail for a little bit. Um, and around 18 months old, Caleb was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, ended up having to really watch and take care of him for years, a couple years after that. Um, the drug scene, I was usually a closet user then. Um, I didn't want anybody to know I was using. At that point in time, I found cocaine used that, um, found meth, used that to get through my days, to go to work, and just carry on with my life. No one really knew I was using at that point in time. Um, I worked at Gwinnett Medical for six years as an anesthesia tech. Um, after Caleb was diagnosed, I got a good job um, through the hospital, worked in the operating room and day surgery. Potentially, I would have liked to gone into nursing, but um, as my addiction grew, um, I started using in the bathroom at the hospital and ended up going into the lockers really high and grabbing an employee's credit card, trying to use it at a Walgreens in my scrubs. And thankfully, they had stopped the credit card before I got up there. And when they went back to Walgreens after they ended their day at the hospital to roll the cameras, there I was in my scrubs. And mind you, my mom's been here at that point for like 30 years. So all these people knew who I was. Um, I, they 
basically grew, grew up with these people and here I am doing this stuff in the hospital. So I went to rehab, checked myself into rehab again, got help, didn't turn my papers in in time to keep my job. So I ended up losing one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, so that devastated me. And I just, at that point, I found pills. I had some dental work done, um, took off and ran to the races with those. When I realized those didn't work anymore, that's when um, I was introduced to heroin and got into that. So it was just a vicious cycle. I mean, between all that time, I mean, I have been locked up 18 times. A lot of it was from drug court offenses. I was in drug court for an 18-month program that took me 36 months to finish. So I was introduced to bath salts while I was in the program and literally lost my mind on it. Um, I was in a psychiatric hospital for like five different times. I um, called the cops on myself, thought things were after me, thought airplanes were after me, power lines were going to follow me. Anything you could imagine I thought was happening to me. And it was so surreal that I tried to get convinced my mom to believe me. And the more she didn't believe me, the madder I got. She knew what I was doing and wouldn't tell drug court, and I wouldn't confess to drug court what I was doing. Um, she would threaten me with telling them, and I would go to a psychiatric hospital, get out, say I would do good, and then just go right back to it. So after the fifth time of going to the ER, I finally admitted that that's what I was doing, and um, the judge thankfully gave me one chance to uh, at a shot at completing the program, and I did it with no problems, no no slip-ups, no nothing. I rode that um, for 18 months. I had God in my life. I had good people in my life that I did not um, associate with the people that led me down that path. I found new friends, was at church, got involved in 12 Stone, and um, just really did well those 18 months. I had a lot of blessings in my life that had blindsided me. One was an engagement that I did not see coming. Um, and once I graduated drug court, I slipped up again, lost that engagement, lost, um, just everything I had gained through that time. And it was again, devastating to lose. So I went off the deep end. Once I lost that engagement, it was over with. That's when I got introduced to the needle and started shooting up heroin and meth to balance out the heroin. Cause I didn't like to not off. And I liked uppers better than I liked downers. So anyways, a friend of mine who I thought was a friend introduced me to the needle, shot me up for the first time. And I was instantly hooked after that. I was going through a lot of emotions and pain from losing what I had got gained and um, just didn't care. So I went on a five, seven year binge. And that's what led me up till now. Got in a relationship about five years ago that involved drugs um, and was stuck. Um, I didn't know where to turn for help. Um, I really didn't ask for it at the beginning. But last year in January, after losing um, a few friends, and then not only that, the boyfriend at the time lost his brother to an overdose. It was just a surreal moment of like, you know, this is no joke. You need to do something with your life. I ended up overdosing once. Um, 
after being in jail for a 60-day probation violation um, and got out and immediately started using and overdosed immediately because I thought I could use the amount that I left off with. Um, but it didn't do any, I mean, it didn't get me, it didn't scare me. It didn't, I wasn't fearful of doing it again. I just, with drugs, I never had any fear over them. I was willing to always try whatever came my way. Um, so I found good landing. I didn't find it right away. Um, I went to Sunrise Detox, begged my parents to go at this point because I was done. I went home um, after the overdose with the boyfriend's brother for a little bit, for a month or two, and I, it was probably the most heartbreaking time of my life because I could see the devastation all written all over my son. It was horrible. It was, I, I have never felt so low in my life, and I told myself if that's what I have to deal with every single day, I'd rather be dead because I couldn't get over the fact that I had ruined so many years of his life and that he literally would not even look my way. Um, he was so disgusted with me. So I told my mom, listen, I've got to go get help at this point. I was done. Um, I had made a decision if I could get to a, a detox properly because I wasn't willing to just go to the state-funded detoxes. I wanted to go to our real detox that I would never look back. I would never, ever do what I've done to myself or kid again. So they, of course, no heroin addict or meth addict has insurance. Um, so I did pay out of pocket to go to detox. Wasn't cheap, but it was so worth it. Once I got out, um, I had to find, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I needed a rehab. I just didn't know where to go. And I had sat still for a couple hours on our, my back porch, and I just felt this nudge from God saying, Stacy, you can't come back here. You've got to do something with your life. Go somewhere, get some help, and, you know, you can't come back home. And at that point, um, I called a friend of mine who I've known for a long time, Rush Jolly, and just said, listen, I need somewhere to go. I cannot do this. Um, I cannot come back home. I need somewhere to go. And he suggested Good Landing. And at that point, I had not um, looked into anywhere. But I told him, just give me a moment. I'm going to go look at the website. I watched the initial video, and it was everything that I ever wanted. Everything that Trey touched on in that video just spoke to me. The riding by houses and, and feeling like, you know, I'll never have this was ever, uh, things I used to do, you know, I'd never thought I would have any of it because I didn't give myself enough worth. I thought I was worthless at the time. Um, so everything that you said, I'm like, that's where I need to go. So I called him back and I said, yes, I want to go there. I just don't know if I can afford it. <laughs> and he said, Stacy, I will do whatever I've got to do to get you in. You know, I know um, we'll work with you. And I said, okay. So my parents ended up coming home, sat down with them, showed them the video, said, this is exactly where I need to be. I need God in my life first and foremost, or none of this will work. And that's what happened. Um, my mom brought me in on a Wednesday. Y'all were having a staff meeting. I was a little nervous coming there, but I knew I was gung-ho. I 
told my family, like, I'm, I will walk in this place and never look back and I will not leave until I'm ready. And I knew coming in, I'd never wanted to leave because I felt safe here. And I haven't felt that in a long time. Um, there were times at my house I didn't even feel safe when I was using. So when I felt safe and comfortable, there was just this peace that surrounded over me. And I was just like, this is where I belong. So I jumped in and I've never looked back and I never will look back. I did a lot of work with guilt and shame while I was here with my therapist. I say I had the best therapist and I did, Jasmine. Um, she immediately dove in with me, worked with me on things. And, um, I forgave myself first and then everything else fell in place. I prayed a whole, whole lot. Um, and I just followed the program the way it was supposed to be. I've been to at least 10 treatments, at least. I I don't even know the number. By the time I sit down to look at it, it's just, it's (laughs) over with. I don't want to look at it anymore. Um, the biggest difference is the God factor in all of this. Um, this works because God's here. You put God first in your life. Really, there is no room to fail. It's been proven to me before. So I know there's no doubt in my mind, as long as I put him first, everything will be okay. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, another person who had a huge impact on my life here was Sherry. I truly believe if I did not land in her apartment because I wasn't scheduled to go to her apartment. Um, and in the middle of my intake was decided that I would go to her apartment. And I didn't feel like I was the only one who was the loser, you know, with the others. I felt like, you know, there was alcoholics here, but no one, I told Dr. Chantal, I'm probably the worst patient, patient you have here. And she said, Stacy, there's no such thing. But um, when I walked in, I also had physical scars that were a lot deeper than they are now. And I was so ashamed, so embarrassed. I did not even want to take off the shirt I had on. And when I explained to my roommates what it was, they were track marks from using and, and missing. And they just loved me through it. Sherry just told me, Stacy, they're going to get better. Do not worry about what people think of you. And I, lit- I just let it all go. I said, you know, this is who I am. This is a story that I have to tell later on, and they will get better, you know. And they have a bunch of surgeries out now. I can fix them. So anyways, um, yeah, but a huge shout out to Sherry. If I could not have, I would not have made it this far if it wasn't for her. I'm glad all. that you're, you're highlighting the importance of that, you know, having somebody on the front end, you know, rush, being there, being available. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing knowing what you what you needed, and then getting here, and then, you know, we talk about it a lot. I mean, and now you're a house manager serving that leadership capacity. I mean, you're doing a whole lot more on the admin side, but you're still, even though you could leave, saying like, "Hey, I want a season to give back, solidify as a leader, and to, you know, uh, you, you look at." house managers people that are on the front lines like I see somebody like Sherry Mm -hmm. that is taking care of her spiritual disciplines she's consistent she loves Jesus you know she's tough you know in the sense of she's not going to be pushed around Mm -hmm. she's going to stay true to to the truth and then I'm seeing now I mean that that you are the same way 
and you hold that line and the, and and again you know it's it's you know you always kind of think about okay there's the clinical department there's the therapist there's Jasmine that plays her role um there are the doctors you know there's Dr. Sean Tall there's Dr. Bird there's you know the people that played their role but the unsung heroes are those the sherrys that are sitting there at midnight you know, talking somebody off the ledge, might not have a clinical degree, but knows what it's like to walk out of the hell, the back to addiction. And um, anyway, it's just so cool to hear that. And and again, you know, and that's something else I want to just really highlight, and you've talked about some of it, but I really want to, to make sure that there's like a break and a focus in this segment of this podcast to say that, you know, number one, you are in the same town where you used to get high. So that means that you know where it is, you know the people, you know where to go and get it. There's also different pressure that comes from that. Uh, You are a female that um, is a very very strong person and, you know, would, and I know that so many people would love to pull you back into that world. Um, but yet here you are. Yeah. Like what, what is different? How, what, what are you doing, um, that has produced such a strong relationship with Jesus and just such a strong program? Um, I knew coming in that I would have to put God first, no matter what I did. Um, and the biggest key for me was changing my mindset about how I thought about things. Um, I prayed a lot when I first got here and I still do. Um, a lot of people, a lot of the clients know that like, you know, we have music in our vehicles, but they will never hear me play anything but Christian music. And most of the time I'm singing every single song that comes on there (laughs) because I know, like, I don't want to fill my head with anything other than what God wants from me. And, um, even dealing with difficult clients, like, I don't act the way I used to. I can sit there and process it with them um, without enabling them to do things that they're not supposed to be doing, you know? And I just give them the hope that like, if I can get out of this, so can you. Um, I think a lot of the women that come in are in relationships that they want to hold on to. And that's, that's not an option for me. In detox, I let that relationship go because I didn't want a relationship with someone that I used to use with. Um, I wanted a fresh start and that meant every, everyone had to go. Um, I am in the same town that I grew up in. I've lived here my whole life in Gwinnett County and I had the dream to go to Florida to get clean, but I'm so glad I did not do that. I'm so glad that I can stand firm in the County that I'm in, that I grew up in, that I know probably have used on every street, around here and know that none of that triggers me Mm. um, because my mindset doesn't go there. You know, I've had a few cravings along the ways, but, and one was real intense, but I I did everything that I've learned to do here. Um, I processed it with someone else and beforehand, I wouldn't do that. I would keep it to myself, sit on it and let it marinate my mind and, and go act on it. 
And this time that that's not what happened. You know, it came during worship music that that had that craving. And I was just like, whoa, you know, Um, and it's always the devil that wants to creep back and tell me I'm not good enough or whatever the case may be. And in my mind, it's just it's not that way anymore. I think so much more of myself um, to love myself first not to jump into a relationship, um, you know, this soon in, I mean, I just think that's absurd, um, because I do not want to lose what I've worked so hard for. Mm. Nobody is worth it. And I will always put God, if I have to live the rest of my life with Jesus as you know, who I'm going to be with, I'm okay with that. That is fine with me, you know? So the females out there that I see come in are just, broken over relationships. And I always tell them like, get rid of it, get rid of it. Like you, you will never have happiness until you put God as your number one. Mm -hmm. Like that will fulfill you. That will bring you peace. That will give you comfort. And those times that you feel lonely, God is right there with you and may, and will fulfill you. And, um, I get frustrated with some of them because they just, they don't grasp that yet. Um, but you know, I'll always say, pray about it, pray about it and God will reveal it to you. And that's exactly what happened with me. The relationship that I was in, yeah, it was hard to let go of because I've known the person for a long time, not only him, but his family. And, um, but I also knew that if I wanted to be the best I ever have been, that it had to go and I was okay with it. And I knew God would work it out the way it was supposed to. And thankfully he went to another program, no longer bound, um, and got himself together after years of addiction too. So, you know, it just shows me that God will, God will fulfill me no matter what. I don't need a relationship to do that in. Um, and the friends that I used to have around this County, I don't want them anymore. They are, they're not good enough for me. Um, God will bring me new relationships and he has like, I have enough friends to fulfill me than to go out there and try to be friends with people who did not care about me at all. They cared about how much money they got off me and that's all that mattered to them. And, um, I didn't hear from them when I was in jail, but I definitely heard from them when I got out to get, you know, money from me because I was a big spender in my using days, you know, like I always had stuff on me. So, they wanted my business, but they will never hear from me again, ever, ever. So I believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, you have definitely put in the work. It is amazing to sit across the table from you, hear your story, to know how much you love your son. Caleb, yes. as you listen to this, I just want you to know the work that your mom has put in. Um, I know is, is so many uh, that, that haven't walked this path of, of addiction, active addiction, don't understand how hard it is to come out of it, um, especially as a woman, um, especially in the town where she used to use in. And I just want you to know that I'm proud of her. You need to be proud of her. Um, so many let the shame and the guilt and all the stuff take them out. But you turned into this thing, Stacy. You went head on into it. We got the bison here. That's right. It's into the storm to make sure that you spend the least amount of time in the storm and to, to hit it head on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I see. I mean, mm-hmm. I just see that you have taken 
this way of the bison, if you will, and have walked straight into the storm, faced all the demons, overcame, um, and now you're being used in a powerful way and sky's the limit. I don't see a ceiling on you. Like I just, it's really remarkable whenever, you know, that in God and all that you've done, you know, and all the resources that you did have and to see your mind and emotional intelligence. I mean, like everything's still intact, Yes. you know, to just, you know, just, just really, you know, it's just going to be an awesome to watch how far God takes you. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Like I say, I'm never leaving. Yes, y'all heard that. <laughs> she ever puts in her notice, I'm going to replay this. That's right. This is a legal kind. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, Stacy, I'm grateful. so thankful for you, Trey, in this place. Like, I am so thankful, and I will fight to the end to keep this place going. Amen. Yes. Amen. God's going to do it. Yes, he does. He's going to use this. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.